Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, and thank you for tuning in to our very first episode of a new show that we're doing that answers life's most perplexing question. What is Pope Francis saying now? My name is Michael Gormley. I'm the founder of layevangelist.com and the co-host of Catching Foxes. I'm here with my buddy Luke, who also co-hosts that show. And we've invited special guest J.D. Flynn, a canon lawyer from Nebraska, to help us answer the question posed to us now by Pope Francis. Are most sacramental marriages null? Uh, this is not a weekly show. Uh, we're, we're, we're going to have episodes released anytime that our awesome Pope, Pope Francis, says anything that uh, causes a stir, if you will, or creates a little bit of controversy, creates some excitement, makes you, makes you scratch your head and go, what did Pope Francis say now? So, of course, we're going to talk about, our, uh, about his quotes on um, – on marriage. So apparently at least one of our marriages is invalid, right? That's because that's what he said. Not me. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry for you guys, I guess. Yeah, I guess it has to be me, huh? <laughs> yeah, because I'm pretty sure like mine is. I still got the like first year graces going on. So I am killing it at marriage. Which means you're good. <laughs> oh man, so that probably means that I s oh Shannon. <laughs> hey, sorry, buddy. Listen, it might not be you. It might not be you. So here's what he said. He was actually speaking to the Diocese of Rome's pastoral congress, doing a bit of Q and A, and he was and he was basically asked about the crisis of marriage. And his response was that the uh, great that the uh, great majority of all of our sacramental marriages are null. J.D. Flynn, is that true? It is true that the Pope said that. Yes. Is it true that a great many of our sacramental marriages are null? I hope not. I, um, I hope not. So just for a little context, so the Pope was talking about permanence, right? Um, marriage is a permanent institution, and he said we live in what he called the culture of the provisional, which is, I think, a great phrase. And in the culture of pro the provisional, we just have we, – we approach things in a transitory way. People, as you know, move around a lot. People um, – you know, are are committed to something for a while and then move on to another thing and then move on to another thing. And that seems to be the way of the world because of consumerism and our short attention span and probably internets and whatnot. Um, and, and he said, you know, in this world, this culture of the provisional, we think about permanent institutions in a really different way. And it's almost hard for us to conceptualize them. He talked about a guy he knew who wanted to be a priest, but he only wanted to be a priest for 10 years, right? And he said, this is how young people seem to think about the, the permanent institutions of this world. And he said, if people go into marriage thinking about a marriage, which is a permanent institution in a provisional way, um, then that can impact the validity of their marriage. And I don't want to dog on Pope Francis for saying the great majority of our marriages are null or the, uh, the comments were amended in their official form to say um, a portion of our marriages are null. I, I, kind of, I don't want to dog on the Pope for that because we've all been in a situation where we're in a Q&A and we're trying to make a point and we maybe make the – we maybe – we don't say it in the way that we, we want to say it, right? So um, a lot of people are sort of, you know, fixating on that when I think it's better to think about the concept. And, and, and with the concept, I have a couple of kind of thoughts and, and questions, really, because um, what the Pope was kind of driving at was that if we go into marriage ignorant of its permanent nature or we go into marriage without understanding its permanent nature, then we will, will by that very fact, not make a, a permanent commitment. And so I've been sort of trying to parse it out and really get to what is the Pope what is the heart of what the Pope is saying? Um, there are a couple of things that impact the validity of a marriage. To, to make a valid marriage, to make marriage, two people, a man and a woman, who are not married to other people, 
um, need to express in a public way, according to the you know, according to the rights of the church or according to the publicly accepted rights, they need to express their consent to one another um, for for marriage. Um, they need to have both the capacity for consent, that is to say, they need to have the ability to make a full, free, human act of choice, um, uh, in this case, a choice for marriage, but they just need to have the baseline capacity to make a full, free, human act of choice. And the object of their choice needs to be marriage. So if they say, I do, if two people say, I do, but they say I do to something that is different from what marriage is, they, um, they're not really consenting to marriage. So let's kind of break that down. So um, on the object of consent, if I say to my beloved, um, which I didn't, but if I say to my beloved, I love you, I consent to being married to you, but from the very beginning I am telling you that I get to reserve to myself the right to be unfaithful as I wish. Um, you know, I get to decide whether I'll have other sexual partners, um, I have excluded from my consent in a positive way the element of permanence, and, or excuse me, the element of, of, of exclusivity, of faithfulness in marriage. And so if I explicitly manifest, or even implicitly manifest, but intentionally manifest an intention against this element of marriage, I'm consenting to something else, something that's self-defined. I'm, saying, I'm not saying I marry you into the institution of marriage. I'm saying we're creating this contract for this institution that I have defined, and I have defined it apart from exclusivity, faithfulness. If a Catholic were to say, yeah, I mean, I believe in all that stuff and I love you forever, baby, but I still want you to sign a prenuptial agreement, you're stating something that you're, you're almost anticipating its impermanence. Well, uh, even a prenuptial agreement, even a prenuptial agreement isn't necessarily, there's a lot of kind of canonical jurisprudence, a lot of case, casework about the, the, the a prenuptial agreement and, and whether or not it meets this criteria or not. But if I say in some definitive way, which might be a prenuptial agreement, but might not. Um, I marry you, but I reserve to myself the right to end the marriage when I view it as fit to end the marriage, um, that I can define the beginning and end of this relationship. I've created a new kind of thing, because we don't have the right to end marriage. Marriage ends by death, right? Um, and so, um, and that's not even the same as saying, of course, every, I think everybody would say, I marry you, um, but if you are profoundly abusive to me and to my children, I'm going to skedaddle, right? Um, that's a little bit different because that's me saying I marry you, but with certain understandings about kind of what the boundaries might be in marriage. Um, but if I say in a definitive way, I marry you, but I can end the marriage completely such that there's no longer any bond between us, I haven't consented to being in a union um, that has an enduring lifelong bond. And so some people say, well, the Pope maybe was, that's what the Pope was driving at, is that many, many people you know, in a willful way exclude permanence from their consent. They create a new object of consent that isn't marriage. Um, that, that's a possibility. Other people say um, that the Pope was talking about ignorance. Um, in order to consent to marriage, the Church says that we have to have a basic understanding that marriage is a lifelong partnership of exclusivity between a man and a woman that is um, oriented towards the procreation of children through, through sexual acts. Um, and if a person is absolutely ignorant of that, um, then they can't consent to it because they don't know what it is. Now, that doesn't mean that the person, you know, a person who's ignorant of marriage is not a person who kind of, like, doesn't know about the theology of the body or doesn't know about, you know, kind of the rich theological teaching of the Church on marriage. It's, it means a person who really, really, really doesn't know what marriage is. And, and the baseline for that is so low that the Church says that everybody who has hit puberty should be, pres- should be presumed um, not to be ignorant of marriage. In other words, you can't presume anybody's ignorant of marriage after puberty. Okay, Luke, you're still, you're still allowed, Luke. That's good news. You're still good. You're still Ooh, good. But, so... So some people are wondering, is the Pope driving at an idea that says that what we have historically had, which is the presumption of, of some knowledge of marriage, the presumption of sort of a baseline knowledge of marriage, has, that, has our secularization and the culture of the provisional so been um, impacting on us that we can no longer presume that people are not ignorant of marriage in some baseline way? And, and I don't know. Um, I don't. 
I, that's the Pope's judgment, and he has a lot of pastoral experience and all those things. I, I don't think so. I think people still have a basic understanding of what marriage is, at least um, what it is and how it's supposed to be lived, even if they don't really, that's, they don't really embrace that. You know, I think people still have an idea, yeah, marriage is supposed to be faithful, even if that's not kind of the way they roll, or marriage is supposed to have something to do with children, even if that's not the way they roll, or marriage is supposed to be until death do us part, even if that's not how they roll. But I think maybe what the Pope is doing is asking, should we continue to presume that, or is our culture so, and our formation so eradicated that now we have to ask of each person, do they really have this sort of baseline knowledge of marriage or not? Now, I want to chime in here in terms of my pastoral experience working with a lot of young couples, and I would say that there are a lot of young couples who do not have the church's vision of marriage at all. Like not even right. not even close, and so when we bring them in, I think the the biggest reason why I think there's a disconnect between um, this culture, the provisional, right? Everything's just and I don't need a lifelong commitment or whatever um, is is thoroughly nested in a lack of faith that individuals have towards the sacrament itself. Getting married at a church and getting married in front of a justice of the peace uh, to them is the exact same thing, and I think for a lot of that people. Um, a lot of people, they, they do not have a clear, well, I think you're right. Like they all dream like of the forever marriage and I'm pretty sure everyone gets married because they think they're going to be married forever. But a lot of people, because they don't believe in the sacrament, they don't understand the sacrament, they don't know it and they don't see its importance in their life. I think that creates another layer of nuance that we have to take into consideration. Cause when I talk to these people, they are literally there. So we'll get a group of 20 young adult couples who are getting married in the church, and I would say at least 15 of them, 15 of these couples, so 30 people, are there just because mom or grandmom is making them. If it was up to them, they would have a destination wedding, and that's it. And and I want to say something in their defense, actually, if I can, because I'm aligned with them. Um, I think that getting married in front of a justice of the peace, and I think the church is too, um, I I think that getting married in front of a justice of the peace and getting married in church has a lot more in common than we like to think. And the reason for that is because marriage is, an, is a, marriage is unique among the sacraments because it is a human institution before it's a sacramental institution. And it's a human institution that comes about through the exchange of consent. Um, and we have this, we think that marriage is a human right. I mean, the Church really does think that, even though the kind of um, marriage equality folks have sort of taken that idea from us. We think that marriage is a human right, that people have a right to get married. And we think that marriage is a kind of anthropological, we're, we're anthropologically sort of um, teleologically program for marriage, right? So um, since the Council of Trent, Catholics have had to get married um, in the presence of a priest and, you know, in the, or deacon and the rights of marriage of the Church in order to marry validly. Um, but prior to that, we didn't have that sense that to contract marriage um, and for baptized people to affect the sacrament of marriage, you needed to have a religious ritual. Prior to Trent, we had a sense that you needed to have um, uh, an exchange of consent. And we still think that theologically. It's just that from Trent in order to emphasize catechetically the sacrament of marriage, um, in order to distinguish marriage among Catholics from, um, you know, the Reformation changes everything because we suddenly have to deal with non-Catholic Christians. In order to kind of grapple with how non-Catholic Christians marry, we started to build more definitive rules about canonical form for marriage, you know, the Church's right of marriage. But um, fundamentally, you know, a great piece of catechesis for me is that when two baptized people who are not Catholic get married in front of a justice of a peace, they have the same sacrament that we do. And when two unbaptized people get married in front of the sacrament, in front of a justice of the peace, they have a natural marriage. They have an honest to God, lifelong, perpetual union. It doesn't have sacramental grace attached to it, but it's nevertheless a, a reality. I mean, a distinct kind of ontological reality. And so, 
I think we need, we have, it's possible that we have gotten overly, we have overly ritualized marriage to the detriment of our understanding of its, of its both sacramental reality and natural reality. And so that's where I think, you know, that's where I wonder, you know, those people want the forever wedding. And I think that's what our theology is talking about. If they want it, they have it, they have this sort of, they have this intuitive sense that that's what marriage is, a forever thing, even if they, everyone around them sees that falling apart. And so um, if they have that, you really, it's really difficult to say they're absolutely ignorant of the fact that marriage is a forever thing. If they want it and they desire it and they see it as a good and those kinds of things. You know what I mean? Yeah, I totally agree with you, except for the point that um, this is something sacramental. So if two baptized Catholics were to go to a justice of the peace, it wouldn't be recognized as a valid marriage because they um, because the church has the expectation that they will get married within the church as a sacramental union, and we're not. Yes. T- and, and I agree with you all this stuff, right? So when uh, uh, two atheists get married in front of a justice of the peace, and then they become Catholic by virtue of their baptism, they now have a sacramental grace, uh, a sacramental marriage. They don't have to right. get their marriage blessed by the church or any of that stuff. But when you look at it from within the perspective of the Catholic Church, of whom the Pope was talking about, if there is a massive lack of faith, then you can't have a sacrament in the presence of a lack of faith. Well, yeah, so Benedict was really, gosh, I mean, as I so often say, man, I wish Benedict was still writing, because Benedict right. was really starting to probe that question. Right, What right. is the relationship of faith to the sacrament of marriage? Because, yeah, we say that two Catholics have to get married in the Church, and we say that not, not actually, it's not a theological principle that we hold, it's a matter of ecclesiastical discipline. We would we could we would perfectly ascend if the church changed her her her, her discipline. We would have no theological problem with two baptized Catholics getting married in front of a justice of the peace and having a sacrament. Um, it's not theologically problematic for us at all. It's disciplinarily pro- disciplinarily problematic for us. So I I just the, and the reason I say that is because the relationship between uh, between faith and the sacrament of marriage is a really hard thing to meet out. Um, you yeah. have to intend what marriage is when you get married, just as the priest has to intend what Eucharist is when he confesses Eucharist. Um, but can a priest of marginal faith who says, even with marginal faith, or perhaps even with no faith, I intend to do what the Church does, I intend to affect this reality by my words, even if I kind of don't, don't believe in almost any of this stuff, he still does it. So it's really, I mean, it's, I, gosh, I wish we could probe that question about faith and marriage more. Um, and I, if, in, to my end, if we did, we would see marriage, we would begin to see marriage much more as rooted in the couple and the Church um, receiving that and blessing that and approving that. Um, but but we would see kind of the power of that human act of consent, and among the baptized, the supernatural character of that human act of consent. It's some it's some crazy stuff. Because you're talking about it in the notion of the canonical form being more or less a late event, canonical form being you know with a witness of the church and all that stuff, rather than a couple right. being off by themselves performing it uh, in a secret marriage or something like that. Um, yeah, I'm saying like the witness of the church and all that. Yeah. Um, that is not theologically necessary to affect marriage. It's, it's necessary for Catholics by virtue of canon law, but it's not. It, the Church herself says that's not theologically necessary. We could change that tomorrow, and, and mm. say that two Catholics could get married on the beach and still have a sacrament. Um, and, and she says that pointedly. She says, "Yeah, we could change that tomorrow, and we'd still have the sacrament of marriage because it's made by consent, a, a, an exchange of consent." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I did not know that. That is fascinating. Yeah, it's it's crazy stuff. I would... So that it, it is fascinating because I, you know, you there is objective and subjective notions when we come to grace. Like if I don't believe in anything about the Eucharist and I go up to receive Holy Communion, objectively I can still receive Holy. I'm still receiving the sacrament itself, but right. subjectively I avail myself one of no graces and two, 
maybe incur a mortal sin of sacrilege or something like that on top of it. Yeah, that scholastic notion of an obex, which is a really helpful notion, right? So the grace is there, right? Because the grace is present in the uh, under the appearance of bread and wine. But I, the grace does the grace does nothing for me by virtue of my own dis, or does far less for me by virtue of my own disposition, and so can there be an obex to the utilization or the accessibility of matrimonial grace? Yeah, no doubt, right? And that's why good marriage catechesis is important and all that stuff. But can the can the can the marriage itself, the sacrament itself, actually be performed by people of no faith? I I land pretty firmly in the yes camp, and I think the Pope is not leaning in that camp, and that's that's cool. I mean, I think a lot you know Benedict was asking those questions. A lot of people are asking those questions, but we've really got to meet that out because it's important. Well, and, and I would actually agree with you because I think as our culture becomes, um, as everything becomes more uh, relative, they're going to be more like, it's just like, it's going to get real weird really fast. I think. By and, more relative. Do you mean more provisional? Ah, ah, no, yeah. Giggity. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. No. And I just think it's, you know, cause like, I, I mean, like, I don't, I don't think that we are too far, uh, far, uh, um, away from really almost an asexuality where it's just like, mm-hmm, you know, and, uh, how does that play out with, you know, in with like in marriage and stuff and just our attitudes and our views and our culture, it's going to be really interesting. Uh, I just saw that he had a really interesting. We do, we don't have to dive into this now, but he had a really interesting quote on cohabitation, and I think it's actually I, I actually yeah. like what he said. I think what he is getting at that people have good intentions, they just lack grace that can really make their that can make their a commitment to each other stronger. It, am I too yeah. am I too far off with that? I think you're right. And I think the Holy Father was trying to say that people have good inten- often have good a- intentions in cohabitation and it's conditioned by culture and all those things. I also think that Anglicans who like, you know, have a ritual that that they believe confects Eucharist is done with good intention. And something there's some grace in doing things with good intention, and following up the Lord with your whole heart. But we've got to distinguish that from the actual confecting of Eucharist or the actual marrying. Um, and that's where it gets for me a little fuzzy. And I think maybe he, you know, was this. Was this said in a way that brings clarity to that or not? You know, is a good question, because yeah, yes, yeah. Following what what you, how following what you think the Lord is calling you to do is really important. And there's a certain way in which cohabitation in a lot of culture resembles intuitive sense of kind of the importance of you know stabilized coupling. Um, but there's also a certain way in which it's um, not that, and 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 we can't just sort of muddle those lines because they're important lines. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially for you know, in the case of cohabitation, especially for for children who might be born out of that, they're important lines, right? Yeah. Ultimately, I am extremely glad that he is talking about these issues because I think that they have to be talked about, and yeah. I'm glad that he's. It's almost like he's um, he's poking at things, going, "Hey, what about this? What about this?" Yeah. You know. So, all right, guys, let's just call it a day. Thank you, guys. This was yeah, awesome. Thank you. So, yeah, um, a little quick hit. Yeah. Exactly. So until next time, this has been What Did Pope Francis Say Now?